All right, so we're, we're talking about making good decisions with our finances, but sometimes we haven't done that. And the statistics would suggest that in a number of this size, there are several who are in debt, uh, maybe even to varying um, amounts, maybe not so much, uh, but maybe a lot. And, you know, if it's a lot, it can feel overwhelming. It can be can be a situation where you almost feel hopeless, like I don't think I can actually overcome this. And that's actually a bad place to be because then there is a resigning myself to the fact this is just the way it is. And if you are in debt, and even if you are discouraged and kind of overwhelmed by it, don't let that, don't resign yourself to that. That's not how God wants you to live. And you don't have to live that way. And, uh, and so what we're going to do in this session is talk about how to dig out of debt. And I'm, I intentionally use the word digging because it, sometimes it just feels like that's what we're doing. And, uh, but keep digging and, uh, and ultimately you'll, you'll get there. But before we talk about, we're going to talk about some just some real practical, tried and true techniques uh, but before that, what I want to do is remind all of us of something that the Bible tells us. We're, again, we're back in the book of Proverbs, and that is the fact that debt enslaves. If you need to, just write out Proverbs 22.7 with a Sharpie on your credit card so that every time you pull it out, you see Proverbs 22.7. Put it on the refrigerator, put it on your dashboard. This verse is... Well, I mean, we know it's true because God said it, but we also know it to be true because perhaps we've also experienced it. But Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7 says, The borrower is the servant or the slave to the lender. If you have borrowed, you are now a slave to the one you borrowed the money from. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to be in that position. You don't want to live that way. Uh, there are three ways in which debt enslaves. One is that there is mental slavery. Uh, and this is that agony, this is that stress, this is that I'm wide awake at 2 a.m. because I don't know what I'm going to do kind of mental turmoil that we have. Uh, we're worried about the debt, we're worried about where we're going to get the money, and, um, and we don't know what to do. If you've been there, you know this is true. Another way in which debt enslaves is there is physical slavery. Uh, and by that I mean if you are in debt, there are times you work physically, you work for the purpose, the sole purpose of paying money back to the one that you borrowed the money from. And by the way, when we borrow money, we have to pay that money back plus more. And so there is physical slavery. You you've signed up for it, though. I mean, you, you're the one, nobody forced you to do it, but you have volunteered for physical slavery as well as mental slavery. Uh, there is also legal slavery, if you will. Legally, we are enslaved. Legally, we must repay. And, um, and, and so these are things we don't always consider because it's easy to get into debt. But it's really hard to get out of it. 
and it's no fun to be in it. And maybe you are in debt, and, um, and that's why you're here. I'm, I'm glad. I'm thankful that you've taken that step, that you are dissatisfied with being in that situation. And the good news is uh, we can give you some help today uh, and tell you some things, some strategies that you can use to get out of debt. Um, you know, before we get to the strategies, let's talk about some signs that you're in debt. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're doing okay or you feel like you are, but um, maybe you're a little closer to the ver- on the verge of being in debt than you realize. Maybe you're, obviously you know it, but here's some signs or at least some things to look out for to not let yourself fall into. Number one, you're living on credit. By the way, if you are spending more each month than you are making, you're in, you're, you're in debt. I mean, that's the kind of the definition of it. You're, if you're living on credit, I don't have enough money to do this now, so I'm going to use this credit card, which will buy me some time, then that's what we call living uh, on, on credit. And if you're living on credit, I think it suggests two things about your life that you shouldn't be satisfied with. If you're living on credit, you probably are not content. Probably are not content. We talked about contentment in the last session, and ultimately contentment's the right thing to do. It's a godly thing. It's something we're told to be. But it also helps us out in our finances as well. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 is uh, a passage where he says to be content and um, and don't, you know, be content so worried about money and the physical things. And he says, I will be with you always. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always. And, and it's interesting that in the context of not being so focused on money, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You see the connection there? We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. But we can't be discontented or else we're going to make some bad choices also if you're living on credit it probably means you're taking tomorrow for granted proverbs chapter 21 and verse 17 is another passage to keep in mind if i'm living in debt on credit i'm assuming there's going to be another day and i'll be able to take care of it then and i'm going to get my finances in order next week next month but we're assuming something that we don't yet have the right to assume all right so if you're living on credit then that's either going to lead to debt or you already are there secondly if you make impulse purchases you are either going into debt or you probably are this is one of those uh, key components somebody has said that mcdonald's has made millions of dollars with six words Do you know what those six words are? Would you like fries with that? I pull up and I'm not thinking, would you like fries with that? How easy is it to say yes? Because by the way, when their fries are hot, they're really good. It's really easy to say yes. Would you like fries with that? Well, yeah, even if I don't buy them, I would like fries with that. They make it so easy to say yes. And in the world of marketing, that's the goal. 
By the way, in marketing, there has to be some discontentment created so that I can now sell you what I want you to buy that's going to solve that discontentment. And so, yeah, I would like fries with that. And so they took one potato or a half a potato and turned it into $2. That's a pretty good deal for them, right? Uh, and, and so, but again, it's those impulse purchases. I was in line one time at Walmart, and I was in that 20-item um, or less lane. By the way, if you come in there with more than 20, I'm watching you. I'm counting the number of things because you need to be in the other line. I was standing there. I had, I think, one item, and I don't even remember what it was. And the girl in front of me, young woman, had one item. And I don't remember what she had, but I, was, I judged it to be like a $3 thing. But we were having to wait because there was somebody in front, maybe somebody with 21 items. I don't remember now while we were waiting, but she looked at the magazine rack. Isn't that so convenient? That while you're standing there waiting, they give you more purchasing opportunities. They're so thoughtful. She picks up a magazine and she flips through it, throws it on the belt. Picks up another one. Throws it on the belt. Picks up a third one. Same thing. And when it was finally her turn, she now had four items and her bill was $18. It went from 3 to 18 in a matter of two minutes. Now, does she have a $15 a month magazine budget allowance? Maybe so. I don't know. But it sure appeared she went into that store not anticipating buying three magazines. And probably her life would have been just fine without those three magazines. But that was an impulse purchase. And we've all done that. And like I said before, we, we have a way of justifying and rationalizing in our minds. But if you didn't plan to buy it, and it's not part of the plan, it's an impulse purchase. Now, two problems with impulse buying. Two problems with impulse buying. One, one problem is that impulse purchases are usually based on greed and not need. Did you hear me? I mean, nobody goes in there, into the store and says, oh, I didn't plan on buying vegetables today, but whew, here I go. This, these carrots are going home. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? Probably not. Usually it's based on greed and not need. And, uh, and, and because that's kind of the nature of it. If it's based on need, it's not an impulse. It's part of the plan. Uh, it's usually greed and not need. And the second part of the the second reason that impulse purchases need to be guarded against is they're usually unplanned for. They're, they're unbudgeted. Now, again, if you have a line item in your spending plan that says impulse purchases, okay, and you can get it to work out, and God still gets what he ought to, and you're still saving for the future and planning, okay, that's good. Probably, though, that impulse purchase wasn't planned. And you've, so even though you have a plan, you've now intentionally done something that's against your own plan so be on guard against impulse purchases uh, they will ultimately lead to you having problems with your money another thing to look out for is if you're uh, if you can't afford to give to God and save you're either in debt or you are headed there uh, because uh, this this is pretty much a, a simple practical plan John D Rockefeller was 
one of the wealthiest men to ever live. And somebody asked him what his financial plan was. He said, it's simple. Give 10%, save 10%, live on the rest. And that really is simple. And you may need to use envelopes. You may need to use jars. Like this, we're just going to separate it, and, and that's going to be the plan. And God is going to get his share, and the savings are going to get their share, and then I'm going to live on the rest. Whatever strategy you need to use to keep yourself focused on that will be helpful to you. And here's where, you know, it's different for us. If we are spiritually minded and we claim loyalty to God, we have to do things differently than the world does. And if I have money for the things that I want, but I don't have money for the things that God wants, there's a problem, and the problem is me. And so if I can't do those things, then I've got some problems in my finances. All right, so now let's talk about some steps to, to start digging out, okay? Uh, number one, start today. Absolutely start today. And I, and I don't mean like start soon. I don't mean Monday. I mean literally you, you have to start today. Don't keep putting things off. That's the easy thing to do. You know, kick the can down the road, so to speak. And, uh, you know, when are, when are we going to start our diet? If you're going to resign to eat better, what day of the week are you going to start it? Monday. Okay. Monday comes. Uh, it, it was pretty good. Uh, Tuesday, oh, I kind of fell off the plan a little bit. So I think this week is shot. Uh, so I'll start again next Monday. Isn't that right? And we just let ourselves off the hook. I'm saying start today. And, and maybe you're, what you do today is you actually begin working on a plan. Maybe you don't have a plan. But what you do today is you go home and, and, and you start working on a plan. But you have to start today. Or it will never happen. Psalm 37 verse 21 says, The wicked borrow and never repay. You think about that. I didn't say that. God said that. The wicked borrow and don't repay. If you're in debt and you're not repaying, you don't have a plan to repay, God says that's wicked. And I, I know you're not, but if you, haven't, if you don't have a plan and you've gotten yourself in a situation where you're not even able to pay back those things, then you're not making the right choices and God isn't pleased with that as well. Um, you know, don't be one of those people that always lives their life in debt to others. Maybe you are that person right now. Maybe you are. Uh, you, you, it's just like it's always been this way. I, I work and I get, but then I have to turn around and just give it all away to everyone else and I'm left with nothing. It almost feels like the only purpose of my life is to keep paying other people something. If you ever felt that way, you're not alone. Uh, but you can start today getting in a situation where that doesn't happen. I'll tell you a little personal uh, story. When I was um, in my, uh, I guess, late 20s, we were, we'd been married a few years by then, had, a, had one child, and we had two vehicles. And, and we were in this kind of in this pattern where we had one vehicle, and it was on a 48-month payment plan. 
Well, Ben, but, you know, by the time that got paid, because we bought it maybe used, by the time that got paid off, it was kind of time to replace the second one. 48 months later. Now, guess what happens after two 48-month cycles? That first one, now it's time to get back on that 48 months. Four years, four years, and, I, and it dawned on me, I'm going to have a car payment the rest of my life at this rate. And I really didn't like that idea. And so I began, I came up with a plan. And that plan was to stick it out with what I was driving at the moment. And I stuck that thing out. Um, it, was, it was not ideal. I didn't like it. I really would have preferred something else. But got ahead, kept making a car payment every month. But you know who I was making it to? Me. I was making it to me. And I was also earning interest instead of paying interest. And I got ahead that way. And I haven't had a car payment since. You go in, you pay cash. You keep making a, par a car payment every month, but you make it to yourself. And you earn interest and you don't pay interest. And, and so that was a plan. Took a few years to, to fully see the benefits of it, but I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to, to that way it was before. So start today, even if starting if you're starting is just simply getting a plan. Number two, stop using credit cards. If credit cards are what got you into this mess, you have to stop using them. Literally, you can cut them up. Did you know that? If you if you need to, use some scissors. That's the ultimate plastic surgery, by the way. You can cut them up, and they won't be a problem for you anymore. But we're, we're, it's so easy now. So I mentioned I have credit cards, and I do. But you know, now I can even, um, with Apple Pay, you ever use that? You, like, you don't even have to pull a card out. You don't have to swipe. You don't have to chip. You can. You see how easy they make it for us to use our credit cards? And it's so easy, and there's no immediate pain. No immediate pain. And so what, for those who are really struggling with making good choices with their, their money, um, going to a cash system is going to make it more beneficial. I've allocated this much cash for this, and once that cash is gone, there's no more of this. Uh, because with the credit card, it's almost unlimited. By the way, if you use a credit card, so you're, maybe you're like me, you use a credit card and you don't carry a balance, that's good. So you're not paying the interest, you're not paying all, that's good. But don't feel too smug. Don't feel too smug. Because surveys have shown that people tend to spend 22% more when using a credit card than they do when they're using cash. Does that surprise you? I'm paying it off, not carrying a balance, so I'm really doing a good thing. Well, that's good, but there is no immediate pain when you use a credit card. I was just talking to someone recently, and my youngest son would not want me to tell you who it was, so I won't, um, about using a debit card versus cash and how easy, sort of a similar principle, using that debit card. It's so easy. And at the end of the month, it's gone. It's all gone. There's no pain at all. So be careful. Even if you don't carry a balance, uh, 
that you may spend more with a credit card than you would otherwise. Another thing to do to dig out of debt is to understand it's going to take time. I am not going to tell, I'm not here today to tell you there's some quick get out of it fix uh, solution. In fact, quite the opposite, depending on your level of indebtedness, it may take quite a lot of time. But here's the deal. You didn't get into debt overnight, and you won't get out of it overnight either. And you have to go into it knowing this is going to take some time, because if you don't, what, what's, what will happen is you'll, you'll do pretty well for a little while, but you won't have seen as much progress as you would like to have, and then you'll get discouraged and stop. Kind of like the person that wants to lose 30 pounds, and at the end of the first month they've lost three and they feel like, what's the, what's the point? And so they stop. Well, you need to understand it could, it could take time. It could take years even. But st- go ahead and start. That time that, that it will take is going to pass anyway. The only question is, will I have made progress during that time? Or will I still be in the same situation or in a worse situation by then? Know it's going to take some time. Be prepared for that, but still be committed to going through the process. Um, you know, our habits, our habits are deeply ingrained. Have you noticed that? We kind of do the same thing the same way all the time. And, um, and to the point we don't even realize it. That's how deeply ingrained they are. Well, you'll have to change some habits. But simply changing them for a few weeks won't, won't really make a whole lot of difference Uh, you can't change them for a few weeks and then expect everything to change overnight so it'll take some time to retrain those habits it will take some time to dig out of the debt but it can happen it will happen it's it's literally a, a matter of numbers and you can make it happen but you have to start today and you have to understand that it will take some time and and stop using those credit cards because that's probably just adding to what you're going to have to do If we're digging out of debt, you don't want someone to continue to throw dirt into the hole that you're trying to dig out of. And so uh, don't be your own worst enemy. Another step to digging out is sacrifice now to make things better later. The vehicle that I drove that I was telling you about that I would prefer to have swap for something else and ultimately did was a a 1970 chevy pickup that had no air conditioning i lived in south alabama at the time i would go visit people in the hospital and i would get there and i would be soaked with sweat no power steering one time i pulled a muscle in my chest trying to get into a parking spot no exaggeration it looked terrible it sounded terrible, but you know what? It, it is the reason I haven't had a car payment in 20 years. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. I'm not going to act like it was fun at times. There were times I was really frustrated with that vehicle, but it was transportation. Oh, by the way, the gas gauge didn't work. So I ran out of gas multiple times uh, during the time I drove that truck. I finally got in a routine where I would just 
every Monday put in a certain number of gallons and they have to worry about it. What am I saying? Sacrifice now to make it better later. The sacri- that sacrifice of four years has made for 20 years of not having a car payment. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and a lot of times what we think we have to have, we don't really have to have. I would have prefer, for, preferred air conditioning, but I still got around. I would have preferred a gas gauge that worked, but I had friends that, you know, could pick me up when I ran out. And so sacrifice now to make things better later. And that's one of the challenges in our affluent culture is we are always provided the opportunity for an immediate fix, an immediate satisfaction. And we collectively, and I'm making a general statement, but collectively we have lost our ability to just be willing to sacrifice what I want now for what's going to be better later. Be willing to sacrifice now. You're in debt. You can get out of it, but you're going to have to make some choices and some changes. And you have to understand that um, uh, it may take some sacrifice. It is, if you are in debt, it is unlikely you can retain your current level of living and your current decision-making choices and get out of debt. Okay, Because that's what got you into it. And... and only something different, drastically different, will get you out of it. Uh, and you may even have to sell something. You may have to sell something. It's okay. Aren't we blessed that we have something to sell? By the way, how blessed are we? You know, even when I'm frustrated, my, by the way, I've been on the phone with my son because my car has got a, some issue and it seems like things happen when I'm not there. But you know, the only way you can have car problems is if you own a car. I know a lot of people that have never had car problems. You know why? Never had a car. We're blessed. We're we're blessed so much we don't even realize it, and that is part of what drives our discontentment. And so uh, be willing to sacrifice now to make things better later. All right, and then one more uh, step, and this one will need some explanation. Probably some of you are already familiar with this concept, but it is the idea of snowballing your debt. Uh, and the, the general theory is, you know, with a snowball, it starts out small, but then as it goes, it picks up speed, and what else does it do? It gets bigger. It gets a lot bigger. And as it goes, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it runs over you. <laughs> In the cartoons, it does anyway. And, uh, and that's what debt does. It's like it starts out small, but then if you add to it a little bit every month, pretty soon you've got a debt that, like, I don't know how it got like this. Well, that's what happens. Uh, that's the nature of it. By the way, there are many people who stand to make a lot of money off of you being in debt. They are not at, at all unhappy with you being in debt. In fact, they would love for you to remain in debt. They make their money, they make their living off you being in debt. So there are always going to be people who will enable you to be in debt. But you don't want to be there. And so where, this, where the, the, um, 
the, uh, the building up of the debt gets bigger and bigger and bigger, the strategy for removing it is actually very similar. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you're going to start small. And then you're going to let, you're going to gain momentum. And then you're eventually going to wipe out your debt. Let me tell you what I'm, show you what I'm talking about. This is snowballing your debt. All right. So let's say that you, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the smallest debt. Now that's counterintuitive. Most people think, well, I've got three debts, and here's the biggest one. I've got, to, I've got to get that one out of the way. No, actually not. You're going to do it the other way around. You're going to start small, and you're going to gain momentum, and you're going to knock out the debt. So let's, let's imagine that you have $400 on a, 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 your Shell credit card. That's where you always buy gas. Uh, and you've got $400 on that, and what you've been doing is you've been paying $60 a month. No, so obviously, if you don't keep adding to it, you'll knock that out pretty soon. But what if you've got $400 now? You had a yard sale. You sold some item that you really don't need. Uh, by the way, you ever notice in the classified ads, things that are for sale are rarely used? Like got a, um, you know, a, a new driver. By the way, I could. My golf game would be so much better, if I bought a three hundred dollar driver, right? Until I buy the three hundred dollar driver, and then I realize, I still stink. So now I sell that driver for hundred and fifty dollars, to some lucky guy who just saved half of it. How many times does that happen? RV, got a two thousand miles on it we thought we were going to be happy taking trips every weekend but we don't have the time we don't you know sell something whatever you need to do to get four what that's legal and ethical whatever you need to do to get four hundred dollars knock that out okay now so we, we get rid of the four hundred we're starting small we get rid of that four hundred these are all hypothetical situations yours, yours would be different but you you get the principle now here's what happens we also have a visa that we owe seven hundred dollars on and we have been paying seventy dollars a month on that and, we're, and we still have the 70 to do it but but notice what we now also have we have the 60 we got rid of the gas the the shell credit cards gone that four hundred dollars is never to be seen again so we're going to take the 70 we've been paying to Visa and the 60 that we've been paying to Shell, and we're going to pay 130 a month on the Visa, and we're going to knock that out. What's our math major? What, how many months is it going to? How many days? This guy, he he can probably tell us the number of hours it's going to take. But we are suddenly now we're going to be out of the Visa. In what? Um, four months four months, something like that. So we went from having two debts, we, we wiped out two debts in the first four months on this plan. And again, your numbers are going to vary, but the principles remain the same. And now we get to the biggest one. We've, we've got, um, we've got a, a bigger debt, maybe it's a student loan or whatever, you're already paying something on it every month, but now you have $130 to add to what you have been paying for your next biggest debt. Are you with me? You follow what I'm saying? 
So you were paying $100 a month on that student loan. Well, not now. Now, four months into this, you're paying $230 a month to knock that student loan out faster. And once that student loan is gone, now we're going to take that $230 and we're going to add it to the addition, additionally to knock out the next debt. And, um, oh, yeah, I got ahead of myself here. So you have $3,000 on loan. You've been paying $300 a month. You're going to add um, $130 to that. Now it's $430 a month. Follow? And you're going to knock it out. Now, let's do a little more math, and this will have to be in our heads. What I, that's, three, that's $430 a month that had been leaving the minute I got it to no longer being spoken for. Are you with me? You see how this is a win-win situation? Not only am I out of debt and I'm not paying interest to somebody else, that money gets to stay with the person who earned it. And know, you know what you can do now? You can go, go back in debt again, right? No, no. You don't, I'm telling you, if you've never lived out of debt, once you have, you don't want to go back. You do not want to go back. It's not the way you want to live. And you can do this. And, and part of you starting today, part of you getting a plan will be to go home and sit down at that table and what are the debts? What is it that we owe in order of smallest to largest? And you're going to knock them out. I'll tell you what, it feels good. One's down. We had a yard sale. We did whatever. That, that's gone. And now we're gaining momentum. And this starts feeling, actually feeling really good. And, um, and you can begin picking up momentum and you can knock that debt out and you don't want to go back. All right, we have a few minutes for questions. Questions anybody might want to have about digging out of debt or anything else related. Yes. Do we need to, what now, say that again? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. This, this would be in addition to, um, and, and some people do it with a mortgage. I don't necessarily recommend it with a mortgage if you have a really good rate. My mortgage rate is 3%. I'm in no hurry to pay that off early. Um, I can earn more than 3% on the money that I would be. But if you've got something that um, is a higher rate, you want to knock that debt out sooner. Um, there's good debt and there's bad debt, by the way. Uh, a very simple definition between the two is good debt is you, when you borrow money for something that appreciates in value. Typically it's a house, but you know we've seen, we've gone through some spells where the house, even the house didn't. And then the bad debt is when you borrow money for something that depreciates. What's the first thing you can think of? Car. Exactly. It's no exaggeration that if you borrow money, well, it doesn't matter how you bought it. You buy a new car, 
the minute you drive it off the parking lot, it drops about 15% in value. Uh, and so if you borrowed money, in fact, if you borrow money for a car, a new car, uh, you will be what's called upside down in it for probably the first two, two and a half years, which means you owe more for it than it is now worth. Follow? Upside down is a bad feeling. Like, like I'm making my payments, but if I had, if I got in a situation where I had to sell this car, I wouldn't be able to get for it what I still owe for it. By the way, buying a brand new car is usually not the best financial decision. Yeah, <laughs> the worst. Um, all right. Um, yes. Okay, well, the question back there is, what if your smaller debt doesn't have interest, is not requiring interest, and the larger ones are? Well, that's an, uh, probably an unusual situation. Maybe somebody loaned them some money or something, and they're not re requiring interest, because typically the gas credit card is 18%, and, and you know, student loan is 9% or whatever. Typically, you are talking about um, interest being required. Uh, and so in that in that what's probably kind of a rare situation, then yeah, I think I would go ahead and move to the next smallest and that let that be where I, I begin. Yeah, yeah, because the interest is where it's a double whammy. You owe the money and every single month they're adding a certain amount to it. You ever looked at your, if you have a mortgage, you ever looked at your, um, your monthly statement, what goes to principal, what goes to interest? Ah. Oh. It hurts. Um, and at some point it switches and more every month goes to principal than interest, but, but that takes a while. So I would, not, I would begin with the smallest interest required debt and then and work from there. That's what I would do. Anyone else? Well, somebody has said that um, debt is like a soft bed. It's easy to get into and it's hard to get out of. Uh, and I, but I hope you're not, if you're in debt, I hope you're not comfortable in debt. Don't be comfortable. Don't be content. Uh, don't be satisfied. You don't have to live that way. If you've always lived in debt, you may think that's normal, that that's just the way it is. But it isn't. And it doesn't have to be. And you can actually get on the, get on the other side of it and start actually earning interest on what you have. We'll talk more about that in the next session.